We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Real. This is managing editor Derek Ciapala on another edition of the Rams Talk Podcast. Okay, before we actually get to our guests, we're going to ask you to head over to iTunes. Can really use a five-star review. Subscribe, please, 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 please. It really helps us out. It helps us in the charts. If you like the show, support us, please. iTunes. Also, you can subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, and don't forget iebeatradio.com, which airs the show on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Okay, so appearing today as part of our tour run the league is the host of Almost Entirely Sports, 
on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM, Josh Briscoe. It's your talk Kansas City Chiefs football and the offense they had. And then Houston Sports Talks, Robert Land, who also hosts their Locked On Texans podcast, visits with us to discuss the Houston Texans offseason, including an update on Deshaun Watson. Before we get started, though, we want to thank one of the sponsors that makes this show possible. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawks, Hollywood's team, Grit Glam of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. As we approach Father's Day, check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, grammar, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Crazy Legs Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic format at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find the book in various other booksellers around the internet. Trust me, folks. I read this book from cover to cover. It's worth every penny for every Rams fan out there. It's also a great story about a person's father and legacy he left behind. Check it out. It's, it's not expensive. It's Hollywood's teen grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. All right. First on today's show is Josh Briscoe, host of the Almost Entirely Sports on ESPN 15, 10 a.m. and 94.5 in Kansas City. He's going to hook us up with some information on the 2018 Chiefs offseason. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing good. It's kind of cruel to be on a, on a Rams show right now because I still very badly miss Marcus Peters. But I'm, other than that, I'm pretty good. Well, guess what? That's where I was going first. So All right, perfect. I hope you're ready. ready. All right, so the Chiefs and Rams, they made this big Marcus Peters deal early in the offseason. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. What happened? Why did this trade even happen for the Chiefs? Well, the Chiefs got tired of Marcus Peters, whatever that means. And that's something where, honestly, I wish I had more answers, not just to share with you, but just for my own like mental health. You guys, everybody knows, and I'm sure now you guys all know for sure, all of the the sort of like recorded incidents with Marcus Peters, throwing a, a flag into the stands and the national anthem stuff is a kind of a whole other can of worms that, that goes into people not liking him. But the, the outbursts here and there, and then there was reports of getting into some sort of confrontation with the coach uh, last season. Somewhere in there, the Chiefs decided they were better off without him. And I'd, that's something I haven't been able to fully wrap my head around yet. So they're not better off without him? They are <laughs> no. better off without him? I mean, no. No, what's, what's no, the, the defense here? is worse. The defense is worse without him. It's not even close. And now the the second cornerback spot is is probably the biggest glaring weakness on this team right now. That would have been Kendall Fuller, who they got uh, from Washington in the Alex Smith trade. Him and Marcus Peters on the outside would have been incredible. Uh, and now that's that's the the spot on this on this defense that uh, has the the biggest need. Now there there are criticisms around. Uh, Peter's like freelancing too much defensively. And if Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator, if he's going to get another shot at, at managing this defense, maybe he wants guys that he knows he can count on and do what he wants to do. But Marcus Peters is is a tremendous talent. He's one of the, the five best corners in football. And I really enjoyed having him in the city um, just to hear from him whenever we could. But uh, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, if not in the minority, I'm in a, a pretty 50-50 split. So with that in mind... 
with all the things that happened to him in Kansas City, what can we mm-hmm. expect from him this season in Los Angeles? Um, you can expect a lot of fun and then a couple headaches. Like that would be my guess at this point. I think he'll he'll probably pick off Pat Mahomes in Mexico. Um, I think he will he will be adding to an unbelievable defense that you guys get to watch every week. Um, I'm assuming that Wade Phillips is just the happiest man on the planet. You may see a couple of times where where he he looks like he's freelancing a little bit. I think that's a little bit overstated. The other thing that I think is overstated is his tackling problems. He's not a terribly willing tackler, but I think that's something that that got way more uh, italicized in everyone's mind after he had other reasons that people didn't like him. So you may get a couple of missed tackles or a couple of non-tackles. You may get a couple of of personal fouls, but you're going to get elite cornerback play. That's... And, and also, like, a fun person to, to watch, at least in my opinion. Well, I, honestly, I'm not worried about the tackling. I, I grew up in the area yeah. of Deion Sanders for crying out loud. That guy couldn't tackle yes. anything. Yes, so. I don't think you should be worried about it. I think you're right to not be worried about it. Not worried about it at all. So the rest of the Chiefs' issues here, what were some of their biggest challenges facing the Chiefs entering this offseason, mm-hmm. and how do they deal with those challenges? Well, you guys know Sammy Watkins very well. That was the biggest addition they made, uh, and that is giving that is giving Patrick Mahomes an unbelievable arsenal for his not rookie season, but sort of debut season. He played in Week 17 last year, but it, it's Mahomes' team now. Obviously, that was the first move to make was to trade away Alex Smith and make it the Pat Mahomes era. Uh, let that begin. Bringing in Sammy Watkins gives him an incredible wealth of weapons with with Watkins, Tyreek Hill. And uh, Kareem Hunt in the backfield and a pretty solid offensive line. Mahomes is ready to go. Defensively, I could I could nitpick at again like cornerback two and look at their draft and everything. But the biggest thing it, we we get lost in it here because I I mean I basically talk you know five to ten to twelve hours of Chiefs every week here, and so eventually we get kind of lost in well, what about that second cornerback spot. This season's really about Patrick Mahomes above and beyond anything else. So that was the biggest challenge coming into this offseason is how can we set up Pat Mahomes for success? And I think they did that successfully. Well, I, I got to ask this question on Watkins here. Mm-hmm. What's the buzz with him right now? Is he doing everything that the team expects him to do? Is he into the playbook? Are you guys hearing anything as to how he's adjusting to the change in Kansas City? We're getting his Twitter account, which is kind of awesome, unless it's like all attached to a cult, which might not be as awesome. Um, but so we're getting that he's a reptilian solar being. Um, beyond that, I, I I think that the expectation, the expectation is that he he becomes a part of this offense that Andy Reid uses him as uh, the talent that he is. I this this is I guess not buzz so much as my expectation. I'm expecting a really nice season out of Sammy Watkins, and. Even even if he doesn't have a Pro Bowl-type season, I think he can be worth the money, depending on how well the offense does. Uh, if you get Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt and Sammy Watkins creating a, a top-five offense in the NFL, then I don't care what any of those guys' individual numbers are because it's about the, the overall production of the offense and taking eyes away from each one of them. If nothing else, he's a very expensive, fair to be fair, but he's a, he's a very expensive Guy, you cannot take your eyes off defensively, which gives the Chiefs three or four of those. I haven't even mentioned Travis Kelsey yet, who, who is just like an alien. Um, I guess, but Sammy Watkins is the main alien still because of the solar being stuff. But um, it's it, it the the buzz is that he's being paid a lot to join an offense with a ton of firepower. Well, then that's where we would you know come back to you and say, listen, we had a ton of firepower last year, and he played the game 
uh, throughout the season saying, hey, you know what, I I, I didn't have the numbers I wanted in Buffalo for mm-hmm. the most part, but I did have those big games and we still lost. So I'm cool where I'm at. And then when he had the chance to leave, he left. Mm-hmm. And so I would not put it past him to pout a bit. He did pout some. They covered it up a bit. They made it all look friendly and happy. But mm-hmm. he wasn't happy when he was only getting – well, he only got, I believe it was 74 targets this year. Yeah, that sounds about right. And that's very interesting. One thing that I've, I've seen a lot of and heard a lot about and, and pieced together on my own a little bit, Sammy Watkins got there in, what, August last year, I think? Yeah. Like weeks before the season. Uh, and with the with the offense being as highly schemed as it is, and you're the expert on that more than I am, but I, I think you'd sign off on that. With the McVay offense being as calculated as it is, I wonder if he ever had a chance to fully assimilate Watkins into the offense um, and and actually get the most out of him. I'm glad Andy Reid has a full offseason. And I also, I don't want to like, and I don't want to start a Jared Goff based fight. But I, I think Patrick Mahomes is a much better fit for what Sammy Watkins can do than, than Jared Goff was. Well, you guys are going to have some of the same problems, though, because one of the problems that dog Goff when it comes to Watkins is, is Goff is going to make that first and second read mm-hmm. and he's going to get rid of the football. That's something that those early quarterbacks are going to do. And then now this year you're going to have Pat Mahomes doing some of the same thing. The big problem, though, when it comes to Watkins is, well, it's twofold. There are issues there with Goff. The, the relationship never happens. So you can blame mm-hmm. that in August. You can blame the fact that Goff's a younger quarterback still learning the trade. The mm-hmm. other side of it, though, when you watch film, was Watkins, he'll run a, a beautiful route, a perfect route. On mm-hmm. one play, the next the next play, he'll pull up. Mm-hmm. And he'll make a half effort. And mm-hmm. there were rumors, and I'm going to say this again, rumors, rumors, that he did not learn the whole playbook in L.A. Mm-hmm. Rumors. I'm yeah, gonna, that's, that's interesting. And that's, that's, I mean, take, take what it's worth. It might be worth nothing. But mm-hmm. what we saw from him is evidence of that. Did he really know the playbook? Was he really into it? But I can tell you this. When he's on, the four, if you look at the film from the first 49er game where he caught two touchdown passes, when he is on, he is the elite talent that we all thought he was coming out of college. Yeah, It's just a question of getting him locked in, keeping him healthy, and – making sure that he knows exactly which way you're going to go. And sometimes, again, the younger quarterback, that's going to be the problem he'll probably face early in his career. He's going to, he's going to face questions. Mahomes will face questions. For sure. Just like yeah. Goff did. No, and that's that. That's interesting. Um, I, I think that obviously the talent is there with Sammy Watkins. I'm not sure. I think maybe there's some skepticism here or there, people being worried that maybe he's dropped off. I think that is silly from what I've seen of Watkins. We'll get back at it film from the last couple of years, not just last year. The thing about Mahomes versus Goff that's very interesting is that Mahomes is such a natural. He, he, he keeps his eye, his eye level up so naturally whenever there's pressure around whenever things are collapsing we saw this in college and we saw this in the in the game that he played week 17 last year against the broncos in denver he does such a good job of keeping his eyes up and looking for the holes in the defense and going through his progressions even as things break down around him that's one of like 50 reasons that i'm completely jazzed about Mahomes this year with that out there and all of the weapons that he has uh, it is going to be a, an interesting way of dividing the pie up between Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and uh, and Sammy Watkins. But it, I, I think that it's going to be divvied up pretty generously. I think there's going to be a lot of throws to go around. And I think I th- I think 
Maybe I hope is the right word. I think, though, Mahomes is ready to do that. Um, and I, But it's very interesting and something I'll be keeping an eye on with Watkins is, you know, does it ever look like he, he pulls up too soon? That's interesting. He did, and he did a few times. And, I, you know, I can't – I don't know. You're not in his brain. You don't know what's going on. You don't know if he's getting frustrated at the poor connection with Goff. You don't know if he just didn't know the route. You don't know if Goff went the wrong way. It's not, it's not always identifiable on film. But mm-hmm. what I can tell you is we saw him pull up – a few times he saw him go the wrong way a couple of times. And again, that's when you don't really know who was really off. Yeah. And so he did, he needs to hit the ball a lot. We mm-hmm. learned that at the end of the year when he, mm-hmm. and if he's not targeted, you're going to, he's going to say something weird on Twitter. Well, he's going to say something weird anyways. <laughs> he, he will regardless say something weird on Twitter. No yeah, question. I mean, you don't, you have no idea where his brain is sometimes, but when he's on the field, there's, there's little you can, else you can say about him. We're running out of time with you, so I want to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The strategy here with the Chiefs' decision to trade Alex Smith. Yeah. I mean, who had, by all accounts, had a solid season in 2017. Was it just about Mahomes being ready? Or were the Chiefs feeling like, you know what, there's something not right with Smith, it's time to let him go? That's a really interesting way to put it, honestly. I, I think it is more about Patrick Mahomes than it was about Alex Smith, but it was a truly a perfect situation in both cases. For me, another year of Alex Smith would have been really hard for me to swallow because even with his best season in Kansas City, maybe his best season as a pro, it still was never enough and it was never going to be enough. Alex Smith exists in a, in a specific spectrum where there is a ceiling and there is a floor, but it's it's relatively narrow compared to uh, compared to the elite quarterbacks. Alex Smith is always going to be like quarterback 15 in the NFL, and the Chiefs didn't have enough talent around him to win a Super Bowl with quarterback 15. It's a ballpark number, but I think it's about right. The other thing in the NFL that I am constantly banging the drum on is there's nothing more valuable than a quarterback playing well on a rookie contract because that like so right now the Chiefs are paying Sammy Watkins and Patrick Mahomes together about what they would have been paying Alex Smith. Like, rough math, but it's about the same. That's the kind of flexibility you gain whenever you have a rookie quarterback. Anyway, they think Mahomes is going to be a star. Like Brett Veach, the, the GM, said, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, right after the offseason, right at the beginning of the offseason, he said that Patrick Mahomes is one of the best players he's ever seen, which is like an insane thing to say about a quarterback who's played one game. But the Chiefs believe in Mahomes wholeheartedly. I am unbelievably excited for him. So for, for me and for the Chiefs, really, it was a combination of – this is this is as far as we can go with Alex Smith. We got the best out of him, and we gave him a pretty good supporting cast. It wasn't enough, and we've got this talent behind him who we think is ready to just explode. And even if Mahomes is just Alex Smith this year, the team is better because it costs them less. But I think that the next few years of Pat Mahomes are going to be an absolute thrill for us here in Kansas City. Well, and also moving away from Mahomes, the other mm-hmm. piece of the puzzle— how did those other moves that they made in free agency improve the Chiefs? Or did they not really improve the Chiefs the way you want besides, of course, Watkins? Yeah, so Watkins helps helps Mahomes, and the offense is set. Like, the the, the offensive line has money and draft picks invested in it to, I would say, an, just an above-average NFL level, which we find for Mahomes. The other moves, they, they went and signed Anthony Hitchens from Dallas, the, uh, the inside linebacker, let Derek Johnson go, who's now with the Raiders, which – Make some Chiefs fans sick. I'm not really, I'm not terribly crestfallen about it. I love Derek Johnson, but, you know, he's aging and they brought in some young talent behind him, so I'm cool. 
Uh, but they've improved the defense in, in a handful of places. A, a couple of moves. I don't know how how nitty gritty you want to get into it, but like they they cut Ron Parker and they draft Dorian O'Daniel and 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 Armani Watt at the safety position. And in the Alex Smith trade, they get Kendall Fuller back, which helps the cornerback situation until they trade Marcus Peters. Um, I will say that the defense we saw when the Chiefs lost to the Titans in the first round of the playoffs last year, it's better from that. The defense has improved from there uh, because that defense was ravaged by injuries. Eric Berry wasn't there by the end of the game. Chris Jones wasn't there. Uh, there were injuries all across the field. Losing Marcus Peters is a killer. I got that. It's still that drives me crazy. Uh, but the rest of the moves they've made this offseason, I think, have have brought the defense a little bit of a new identity. Uh, they went all defense in the draft except for their their last pick, Khalil McKenzie. He, he played defensive tackle in college. He's going to play guard in the pros. Um, but other than that kind of like pseudo defensive pick, the draft is all defense because the offense is ready to go. So the, the moves they made this offseason made sense. They, they, they're trying to bolster up the run defense, and, and that is all well and good. But at the end of it, at, at, at the end of the season, we're not going to look back and look at that number two cornerback position as much as I would love to have uh, Marcus Peters there. We're going to look back and say, was Patrick Mahomes good enough to cover up some of the flaws? Okay, well, now you have those moves you made. Mm-hmm. What about the draft without that first-round pick? Yeah, I mean, I, no one no one in Kansas City, not a single soul, was upset about not having the first-round pick knowing that that's what it costs to go get Pat Mahomes. Like, that is totally cool with everyone here. But they trade up to get Breland Speaks, a guy who we're not exactly sure how he's going to fit into this defense. Then they trade up for Derek Nottie, who's going to probably start in the middle of that defensive line or at least rotate through with Xavier Williams, who they picked up in free agency from Arizona, uh, another another defensive tackle. The, the draft was honestly kind of boring uh, because it's mostly rotational players in, in players that are supposed to fit in specific packages. It's like Dorian O'Daniel they drafted. as a, He's a, kind of a linebacker-safety hybrid who's going to come in and and be able to help the run defense and nickel packages. Armani Watts is a you know a late round, uh, I guess he's a fourth round pick with some with some tremendous uh, ball tracking talent, but he's not going to start day one. Uh, I mean, he could. He's he's the probably the biggest coin flip on that actually. Uh, the defense was basically about drafting rotational package pieces for this defense, um, which they needed to do. They've got some very good talent at the top of these depth charts. I would have liked them to trade up. Where exactly where they did, they could have traded up and grabbed Isaiah Oliver, uh, the cornerback. That would have that would have been uh, something very high on my list. That was the thing highest on my list. I would have been happy with the Oliver pick. And and beyond that, the the draft is is fine by me. Trading up for Breland Speaks, a guy who again we don't really know exactly where he's going to be playing. Um, they said he's going to be an edge rusher, but like even then, he's got guys in front of him for this year. If that would have been Isaiah Oliver, I would have come out and said draft was great, addressed all their needs. Ready to go. Speaks over Oliver makes that a little bit more questionable. Um, but that's, I mean, this is the time when it's like, it's so hard, man. It's so hard to figure out what they see in this guy and then how he's actually going to translate. And if he even plays this year on a, on a large scale, I'm not sure. Um, but if it's for 2019, then it speaks and pass and Tano Passigno and, and Justin Houston, you know, in, in that pass rush after D Ford leaves this off season. It's the, the draft was very interesting for all those reasons. They they addressed a bunch of needs. They added a bunch of role players. Not a whole lot of splash though, and that you know that makes the the week or two after the draft a little bit less fun for us. Well, that's the same thing the Rams did really. They're, they're, yeah. You're seeing some mirror things. The Rams just went and filled in rotational guys, guys you can develop, so on and so forth. I, we yep. totally get it. Yep. Now that's a good point. The 
the one thing I do want to mention though is at least Speaks has that awesome meme. Yes, he does. Yes, yeah, at least the, he has gift, that. We will always have the gift. He could yes. be a bust, but we'll always have the gift. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. Tremendous. Um, and I'm running out of time, and I had two questions. We're going to try and get through at least sure. one yep. of them. I'll shorten up my answers. No, I'll get them All both. Right. Let's do it. Ramick Wilson, real quick, 15 seconds, go. Is he in L.A. now? Yes. Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, he's a he's a rotational inside linebacker. Whenever Brett Veach took over from John Dorsey, one of the first things he did was essentially replace Rameek Wilson um, by trading for Reggie Raglan. He's a nice special teams player. He won't he won't make you pull your hair out as long as you're not relying on him for too much. There you go. Okay, and finally, what are your prospects for the 2018 Chiefs season? Can they make the next step and get themselves a high seed in the playoffs? I think this year they can win the division. Um, and, and so here's a really quick thing again. I'll try to keep it short. First six games of the season, it's like really front-loaded. The Chiefs could be two and four out of that, and it would not shake me because this season above and beyond is going to be about how good Pat Mahomes can be if he can cover up the flaws. If Patrick Mahomes looks like a rookie quarterback with some huge plays and some mistakes, this team will probably win nine games, be a wild-card team. If he's terrible, they won't do anything. If he's fantastic, they'll win 13 games and be a high seed. In reality, I think it's probably going to be a good season for Mahomes. I think they're going to contend for the AFC West. And depending on what they're doing at the end of the season, how his uh, development has gone on, we're going to see if they're a contender or not. But it's, it's, I know it's a cop-out. It's impossible to know before we see you know, what Mahomes looks like in Week 10. When you've only, yeah, when you've only swung the field for one game, yeah, it's hard to really get an idea. But you it was magic, though. It, it was do, magic yeah. week seventeen. <laughs> you do have the weapons, though. Yes, no and, question. Um, okay, so I'm guessing we'll catch up with you again come November. Absolutely, I'd love to. So it's great having you on. You had a lot of great insight for us. Good luck to Sammy for all your. <laughs> uh, we do hope he does well out there, and hope he does remain on Earth yes, instead of me flying away. And I just just promise me that you'll all treat Pat, you'll all uh, treat Marcus Peters well. Please please appreciate him. I miss him. Tell oh, tell him I, I miss him. The, he's a, he is such a key part of that defense now and yeah. what Wade Phillips wants to do. I, I love what the Rams have done. I think it's I think it's seriously I think you guys have the most fascinating team in football this year and I I hope you I hope you're enjoying it. I am. I just I, I know two things are going to happen. Either this team's going to crash and burn mm-hmm. with all the egos or they're yep. going to be great. And man, I love that strategy. I love that. McVay is betting on him and Wade Phillips saying, hey, you know what? We can handle it. We're not going to let it crash. I think that's awesome. So I am seriously the, the second most uh, interesting team in the league for me is you guys because I got to be most interested in the Chiefs first. Well, yeah, that's fair enough. The, the only thing for me with the Rams is they didn't have a winning season from 2003 to 2017. 2003 mm-hmm. being the last one, then, then last year being you know the in-between. Mm-hmm. So I am totally thrilled with a coach who's willing to say, you know what? Let's go balls to the wall and go for it. I think that's the way to be. I love it. All right. Well, Josh, thanks for coming on the show. Folks, you can catch up with him on JB Briscoe at, on Twitter. Also, check out his show on ESPN Kansas City. Good, good listen. Thank you very much, man. That's right. perfect. Yeah, JB Briscoe. I, no E, though. Those Briscoes with an E on their name, no good. <laughs> that, those are, those are po- imposters. <laughs> I was thinking of the wrestling guy. <laughs> no, no. Garbage. <laughs> Get those E's out of here. All right, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. No problem, anytime. We've been getting some really good feedback on our podcast, and one of the best parts about our podcast is we wouldn't even have it without the Golden Ram Barbershop. They've been with us now for almost a year, and 
we're, we're pretty privileged to have a sponsor like them. So what we want you to do, folks, if you're in the Westminster Southern Cal area and you need a haircut, please do us a solid by doing Sal Martinez a solid over the, at the Gold Ram Barbershop, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Okay, let me say it again one more time. 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis. He's kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you, and you can get a discount on an already affordable haircut. Stores open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Okay, one more time. Give him a call, 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it to enjoy all the Rams and Marabilia, but also he provides an old-school barbershop experience where he talks football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sally the man should make my blockhead appear, well, normal. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Okay, also, hey, we are also looking for more sponsors, especially with the season coming up. Uh, it's a great, inexpensive way to get the word out in your business. Our numbers are growing crazy fast right now, so please, hey, get in touch with us. It will save you money now because eventually, as we get more listens, we'll have to we'll, we'll raise our rates. So reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We do have a media kit ready to get out to you. All right, folks, I'm here with Houston Sports Talk's Robert Land. We were supposed to catch up uh, at, during the regular season last year in the Rams, but the Texans was just one of those things where schedules didn't meet, so I'm finally glad to get him on the show. How are things down there in Houston? It's going good. I'm, I'm actually double dipping. I've got my Houston Sports Talk podcast, and I also post Locked On Texans for the Locked On Network and FanRag, and you know we're doing Texans daily. I was just over at Rookie Minicamp just this past weekend, and it's uh, it's good to see the new faces, the new guys come in. It's fun to finally get to talk to some of those guys. Well, I was just ready to jump in on some of the other things going on with the Texans, but you just said something key right away. Rookie camp. What what were some of the guys uh, doing out there to impress you? Anyone stand out for you? I didn't get a super big chance to look at them on the field, but I got I did get a chance to talk to them. I had some I was dealing with some other appointments in the day, and and they got it broken up to where the interviews in one part of the day, and and you get to look at them a little bit out on the field the other part of the day. But what I can tell you from talking to the guys, uh, one guy, and, and we got to talk about him, and this is the, one of the best picks, I think, in the draft for the Texas and agents. I think it's going to be one of their best picks, and that's Justin Reed. Uh, Stanford kid, safety, the first pick in the third round. It was the first pick in, in their draft because, you know, they made the deal, two deals last year. One of them, they, they traded away the first round pick to move up and get Deshaun Watson. So really, the Texans get an A-plus for this draft without the draft even have started, you know, you get, you get Deshaun Watson with one of those picks that you, that you use this year. So that's good. And then the second round pick they used to get rid of Brock Osweiler's contract, which was also good. I mean, that's money that you can spend in many better ways than Brock Osweiler. So the first pick in the third round was Justin Reed. And if anybody doesn't know, this is Eric Reed's brother, Eric Reed, of course, uh, supposedly blackballed by the NFL, the safety for the 49ers. You guys are very well aware of him. And he is impressive. I mean, he's just a guy that brings a presence even into a press conference. You know, got in front of the podium. His enthusiasm, uh, just the way he was able to verbally uh, point out, you know, some things immediately. You know, he's already looking at stuff. He said he'd already looked at a few of the Texans games, things like that. 
So you add him to Ty Matthew, and there is no better positional upgrade that the Texans had this year than at safety with those two guys. And I think if you're a Texans fan, if nothing else, you've got to be super excited because the Texans' safeties over the last, oh, forever, just say forever, have been a disaster. <laughs> they haven't had a good safety. I mean, if Derek, it's been it's been a total disaster except for maybe one good year with Daniel Manning a few years ago, one or two year good years you got out of him. Maybe Marcus Coleman for a year early in the in the team's uh, history, but otherwise it's just a total disaster. So if Justin Reed is what we think he can be, and that's a really solid safety in the NFL, and maybe somebody that can excel. I mean, there's people out there that think he was maybe he should have been a second, even a first round draft choice. Then they've improved drastically at the safety position, and just in the secondary in general, because you add that into Aaron Colvin, who was along with Ty Matthew, their biggest free agent pickup. Those two guys will really help their secondary a bunch. Well, that kind of leads to this question here. Justin Reed, the Reed brothers, going the Texans, owner Bob McNair. A lot was made nationally, and I'm not even sure I buy it, about Bob McNair and his stance towards people stand for the, the pledge versus now they go and draft somebody who is the brother of one of the forerunners, one of the kind of leading faces in that in the uh, the kneeling thing. Is it really that big of a deal? Is it just something that is made of, you know, media hubbub? And that's about it? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm semi-surprised that they took him, to be honest with you, because, uh, no, I, I think what Bob McNair has said and done in the last few months, and, you know, he's put his foot firmly in his mouth quite a bit. I mean, the Dwayne Brown situation broke down because of stuff that was said, not just uh, over the last year, but stuff that happened a few years ago. I mean, Bob McNair... There's no question. Uh, many players verified in a team meeting that he was very outspoken with the fact that he wasn't happy when when Obama was elected. And and this is somebody that's uh, given money to the to the Trump uh, campaign. So there's no question where he stands politically. Uh, there's no question he's been a guy that is a, a, a doesn't want to rock the boat. He doesn't like political stances. He doesn't like you know much controversy at all. He stays away from any of those bad apples. I personally like that he has brings in guys with good values. Um, I, I think wh when, when he steps into it is politically, especially when this is not, shouldn't be a political thing. Like I said all along, this should be about, you know, innocent people getting killed. And, and this is sort of a racial thing. And, and I, I didn't know that uh, we had two different uh, parties and one of them was racist and one of them wasn't. Um, I, I'm going to take some of your listeners off maybe with that statement, but you know, that's kind of the way I feel with, with what's happened with this. It's, it's turned into we're trying to say call it. We keep calling this a political thing. Right. I just don't think that's what it is. And I think uh, it is surprising that they would take a chance on somebody like Justin Reed. But they did. But they did. And how's he fitting in this far that you're aware of? It's it's too early. I mean, he was asked all those questions in his first mm -hmm. press conference and he handled them well. Uh, they, they, they tend to school their players, but he's a guy that I don't even think needs to be schooled. I think he just is trying to make the concentration on what's going on on the field for now. And maybe when he gets more comfortable, maybe down the road, he wants to see, I'm sure, how this is going to play out for his brother. You know, he's trying to, you know, get out of the way, let his brother handle all this other stuff. And, you know, obviously he said he supports his brother. Uh, no question about that. But, you know, he, he didn't want to say much beyond that. So he, he's somebody that I think is going gonna, is gonna to fit in because he's just an intelligent. Um, you know, he brings uh, just the acumen of, of somebody that's 
got to, you know, have this tutelage of a brother that's played in the NFL and that has played well. Going the other way, going away from Justin Reed and heading over to the the question that really normally would lead the way here. What's going on with Deshaun Watson? How's his recovery going? And what's the prognosis for him entering the season? Everything that he says is it's it's going along perfectly. We have no reason to believe it, it, it's not. Uh, he's come back from this injury on his other leg uh, when he was in college. Worked out pretty well. He won a national championship. So uh, if Deshaun Watson says he's doing good and they're saying everything's going according to Hoyle, then I think he's going to be fine. And, I mean, I, we can talk about all the other positions with the Texans. We can we can spend the next 10 minutes talking about this position, that group, this guy, that guy. If Deshaun Watson is healthy, uh, this team is a really good team. If he's not healthy, they're in real trouble because the backup quarterback position, they, they don't have that that guy. They don't have uh, the Nick Foles uh, uh, over here. I mean, we got Brandon Whedon backing him up. And, and that's really the, the biggest concern as far as their depth at any position, I think. Uh, we got we, we could talk about some other positions where there is question marks. But uh, just as far as depth goes, it, it's like Deshaun Watson and it just drops off a cliff to Brandon Whedon. Well, that leads me to the actual front office's plan. What was their plan this offseason with him recovering and the Texans missing those draft picks in the first two rounds? Well, you can't do everything. I mean, you can't fix everything. I mean, they, were, they basically had to spend a lot of this offseason really – <laughs> they had to upgrade the entire offensive line. I mean, they had to fix the secondary, which was a mess, and which they did. They they upgraded three positions drastically, which I just talked about. The offensive line, I think we could get into that. I think they've fixed four positions through free agency and through the draft and, and also through a guy that I, I think is going to be playing regularly this year that uh, was a fourth-round pick last year and Julio Davenport at left tackle, that he, he was a project. And, I, and if he is the regular left tackle this year. I think it's just going to be a huge upgrade just by him being on the field from what I, the very little that I saw of him last year. So they, they couldn't fix everything. And look, most teams, if you lose your star quarterback, they're not going to have a quarterback like Nick Foles that can take over and take you to a Super Bowl. Now, maybe the drop-off isn't as severe with other teams, but you know, ask, ask the Patriots what they're going to do when Tom Brady goes down. I mean, Brian Hoyer, we, we saw that deal uh what wasn't wasn't real impressive i'm sure you guys have seen a little bit of brian hoyer out there uh when he's played against the the rams but i mean just uh i don't think you can fix everything and so i think they they did what they could um we we thought they could have maybe picked up a guy or two that might have been a little bit better you know i I don't understand exactly why brandon whedon is the guy that they came up with but it's not like there was a lot of great choices out there backup quarterback is, is just as hard to figure out as as you know, finding that, you know, really outstanding starting quarterback. It's just, it's, it's the quarterback position. The NFL is, is difficult. And maybe you guys haven't had to deal with it very long out in LA with the Rams, but the St. Louis Rams uh, knew a little bit about that. And the Texans, you know, spent most of their history trying to figure out the quarterback spot. Well, we spend our entire day and, and night wondering when the next shoe's going to drop and when someone's going to tear an ACL when it comes to a Rams quarterback. It's how it's been for a very long time, so we totally get it. The uh, The only thing that concerns us, not just with the Rams, is it's not Goff as much as it would be Todd Gurley. So there's kind of a flip there. He was Gurley. We're in trouble. There's no he's Everything runs for him. He's like the Marshall Falk of the early, you know, greatest show on turf era. For you guys right now, Deshaun Watson is that cog, right? So you're saying everything falls apart without him, which we saw. But did they do enough depth-wise to at least be – more competitive than they were where Watson got hurt last year. The offensive line 
it was awful. Might have been the worst offensive line in the NFL, and, and that's the biggest issue. They, they hope to also upgrade their tight end position. One of the problems was just concussions and injuries killed them last year at tight end. Fedorowicz got a couple different concussions. He ended up having to retire. He was the guy that was going to be their starting tight end for the next few years, third-round pick uh, a few years ago. But he's had concussion issues all the way throughout his career. Ryan Griffin, his backup, had concussion issues. So they were basically going most of the year with an undrafted guy in, in Steven Anderson, uh, who frankly looked at times and camp good, but just couldn't uh, really impress anybody enough in the regular season. So they picked in third round Jordan Aikens and he's a great athlete. Everybody wonders, you know, this is a guy who's 26 years old, third round pick. He's got speed, not really known as a blocker, but maybe has big playability. He's somebody that you can throw the ball to maybe down the field and do something, and you add that to Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they've got weapons. I mean, there's no doubt. They also add a speedster in Kiki Cutie, who maybe people don't know the name, but it's going to be a fun name to say for, for everybody. <laughs> He's out of Texas Tech, slot ride receiver. They've been trying to figure out the slot ride receiver with the Texans and somebody that's going to be dangerous at that position for years. Um, he looks like he could have that ability, but I, I, it's, it's going to be a wait. See, i got to see what, what he can do. Uh, but the offensive line, that's the real story. If, if they if they really made an improvement there, they picked up Zach Fulton at left guard, Xavier uh, Suofilo, which was probably the biggest name that left in the offseason for them, which was a good thing for the Texans because uh, he was somebody that they drafted top of the second round. Everybody thought it was a good pick at the time. They didn't draft Derek Carr. Uh, that turned out to be a disaster, drafting him over Derek Carr almost immediately. And so... With uh, Zach Fulton coming in, a free agent with the Chiefs, they think they've made a major improvement there. Nick Martin was basically a second-year guy but missed his entire rookie year the previous year. So his second year, he plays last year, seems to tire out, looked good earlier in the year, but like most rookies, sort of tired out. He's coming off an injury now uh, that he's recovering from, but you, you hope that they, they'll, he, he'll improve with his second year. Uh, it's going to be a new right guard most likely. Not sure who it's going to be. It could be Martinez Rankin, who was their third-round pick. He could either be their starting right guard or their starting right tackle. He's played all different positions. You know, he's got some ability to do different things. But I think if he plays either one of those positions, and he's just average, I think he's better than what they had. And, and the right tackle was Bruno Giacomini, the Raiders, picked up this year. I don't know why. I don't know how the guy's still in the league because he's, he's about as bad as I've seen as a right tackle. So I think that, that position improves. They picked up Chantrell Henderson. And uh, and Senio Kelamete in free agency, a, a tackle and a guard that might be just journeyman guards. But again, if they can just if they can just get up to mediocre there, they, they've got improvement. And so the offensive line, that's where you can improve when the quarterback goes down and, and be able to do some different things. And they've got some explosive weapons on offense. So Brandon Weed might not have to do much. He can throw short routes to Will Fuller. Or Jordan Aikens, you know, if Jordan Aikens or, or, or Kiki Cutie, if some of those guys can just get into the open field uh, and, and do things. And, and with the Rams, you, you've seen what just having somebody that you can throw it too short and explode and, and get that run after the catch stuff. I mean, that's that's the key. And we, we lived that. We lived off that sometimes last year, just stuffing off to Todd Gurley when he's gone. It was a third and 33 in New York. We got to Robert Woods and he was gone. This is off a screen. So, yeah, those those plays can change the entire game. And I'm starting to get an idea of where you're going here and how you're feeling about the Texans, but I just want to make sure. You talk about all these great additions the team made, and then right before we actually started recording the actual show, you mentioned 
subtractions. And I was going to ask about the disappointing subtraction, but it doesn't seem like you've had a disappointing subtraction. How about the teams that left? I mean, sort of the players that left. Yeah, no, nobody just nobody of any significance really left. And, and I'm going to give you something that uh, you're, you're not going to hear anybody on any of these NFL shows talk about. This this will get literally no traction. But the Texans special teams year in and year out is one of the worst special teams in the NFL for just been several years now. And, and most of the last, I would say, eight to 10 years, they haven't been good. They picked up as their new special teams coach, Brad Seeley out of New England, most notably, where he won three Super Bowls in those early Belichick years. He's been around for 20 plus years, uh, been been around some different organizations, but he's an outstanding special teams uh, coach. They also picked up in free agency another another name that nobody will talk about, but uh, Johnson Batamosi, who was one of the best special teams players in the NFL on coverage. Texans coverage has been awful. Uh, just uh, having a major jump in special teams might not seem like a big deal. But again, I, I don't have to tell you. I, you know, the Rams know special teams matters. You guys excelled in every area there. And what a difference that can make in an NFL football game. Yeah, and it also costs a playoff game this year. You know, the, the, the one time where our special teams didn't come through was against the Falcons. And that, was, that ended our season, essentially. I put us behind the eight ball, and that was it. So we, the value... I would guess now all these years of the Texans where they've been competing, that missing piece, I think that's probably one good reason why they haven't gone as deep in the playoffs as they probably could have. Yeah, the, the other thing, uh, just quickly going to defense, I mean, Romeo Cornell had this team top 10 defense his first three years with Bill O'Brien. I mean, the guy's one of the greatest defensive coordinators in football. And so he comes back down with Vrabel, you know, taking the head coaching job. Vrabel... I don't know if it was person. The personnel had changed that much. They lost AJ Boye, which was a big loss. Of course, they had the injuries, but even before the injuries of, of Watt and Merciless, it just didn't look the same. So Romeo being back, calling plays, you know, they could say it's not going to make that. It wasn't that big of a difference. But from us that have seen the Texans the previous few years, I think it. I think Romeo does make a difference. Uh, Watt, even if you get seventy percent of what JJ Watt used to be. That's still really good. I mean, he's still better than so many guys out there. Whitney Merciless, that was a big loss because they they, they had a really they had a great defense the year before uh, without J.J. Watt most of that year. But Whitney Merciless was healthy, and you put him next to Clowney. So now, you know, hopefully they've got Merciless, Clowney, and Watt that can stay healthy for one season together so we can see what they look like all together. I just don't think we're going to see the J.J. Watt that to me might have been the greatest defensive player I've ever seen. I mean, I, I saw Lawrence Taylor, you know, growing up. I've seen Reggie White. You know, I, I think he's in that conversation with those guys. And in a way, I think with, with some of the stuff that he did, you know, just returning interceptions for touchdowns as a defensive lineman and fumbles and just all the different things that he could do as a defensive lineman that you've never seen before. Uh, he was maybe the best ever, but you, you just get a little bit of him and Merciless and Clowney and what you've done to the secondary. And, and I mean, it's this, this team has a, a huge amount of potential if they can just get some relative health. They were the, they were the least healthy team in the NFL last year. They had more injuries than any, they went through more players than anybody in the NFL. And I think it was anybody, it might've been anybody in NFL history. I think maybe 77 different guys were on their roster at some point last year. Now, shifting over a little bit to another area that I've 
been watching here with the Texans is, is the running back position. Do they have enough talent at that position to support whoever's quarterbacking this team? Well, the big thing was a guy that everybody was excited about last year was Deontay Foreman, third round pick out of Texas. Uh, incredible story, as everybody saw with what happened to him the previous year in college. Uh, lost his uh, child as a, you know, just days after the child was born. Um, went through that with the Longhorns and still had this incredible year uh, with Texas. And then he's a local kid from this area. Grew up about 45 minutes away from uh, NRG Stadium, 45 minutes an hour, something like that. Grew up a Texans fan. And then Lamar Miller, who's solid but not spectacular, he's okay. And he's never had an offensive lineman of any substance to work with. But you, you bring in Deontay Foreman, who could break tackles and who has some explosive ability and, and seemed to work well with Deshaun Watson when those two were, were playing pitch and catch a little bit, too, what he could do out of the backfield. Uh, but Deontay Foreman gets hurt. And the, the thing with Deontay Foreman is that injury could go into this coming year. They're, they're thinking he's going to be ready at some point during training camp, but it's going to be close, whether he can make it back for game one. And I think he's somebody that can give you some exceptionalism. I think Lamar Miller is solid. I think Deontay Foreman get, can give you some, 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 some real, he can give you some real fire. I'm not saying he's Todd Gurley by any means, but I think he could give you something at the running back position that they haven't seen in a few years since maybe Arian Foster. So, with that, I think the, the running back situation could be okay. If he's not there, they're okay with, with Alfred Blue also as a backup. But, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be anything special. But what makes the running game so much better is Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's that's your running game. If he's healthy, he was picking up, you know, seven yards a carry. The, the yards per carry uh, just by the entire rushing attack way up when Deshaun Watson was healthy. And like I said, he's come back from – this type of injury before this this ACL type injury so he's done it and still been a running quarterback so his belief and the Texans belief are you know he could he still has that possibility they would like for him not to have to run as much but you know it's just part of his game and, and he does it well like Russell Wilson he knows when to get down all right last question okay here we go given all these things you've talked about the offensive line Justin Reed Deshaun Watson close to being back the, the running game the safety, the safety position improving. Where are the Texans by the end of this year? Where do you think, you know, if you, in your crystal ball, what record do the Texans finish with? And can they make the playoffs or will they? Well, I, I think it's 10 and 6 is super realistic. I mean, that's, that's a huge bounce back. But Deshaun Watson, when he started last year, the Texans were 3 and 3, I believe. Um, they had three losses. It might have been 4 and 3. That, Either way, they, I know they had three losses. The three losses with Deshaun Watson was Tom Brady on a final last-minute drive in a shootout with Tom Brady at New England. They lost the game. They, there should have been an interception late in that game. The Texans dropped it. Uh, <laughs> that was the game they should have won. They were at Seattle. They were. That was a shootout. Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, one of the best games of the entire season last year. Uh, they should have won that game against Seattle wins on Russell with Russell Wilson at the very end of the game. So those were two of their losses. Their third loss was against the Chiefs, and that was the game where on the very first drive of the game, they lose Whitney Merciless and J.J. Watt is carted off the field. So two of your best defensive players, like two of your top three with Jadavian Clowney, are lost. The air is out of the building. The air is out of the players. Deshaun Watson in the second half tries to bring him back against the Chiefs, which were playing great at that time. So those were your three losses with Deshaun Watson. So 
you know, it, it sounds crazy like, oh, they're going to they're going to go from four wins all the way up to 10 wins. But I, I almost think if Deshaun Watson's healthy for 16 games, that's the floor. I, I think they could even win up to 12 games because not only do I love Deshaun Watson that much, but they've just added a lot of depth in a lot of different areas. I mean, we haven't talked about the linebacking core, but it might be the fastest and most athletic linebacking core I've seen with the Texans in their history. They got they had two really good rookies last year. Uh, Dylan Cole got hurt during the season, uh, but Zach Cunningham was a second round pick. Uh, he should we should see a jump with both of those guys in their second year. McKinney's really good. Uh, obviously, Merciless coming back. Uh, they added uh, Duke Ejiofor in the sixth round. Uh, he was actually high school teammates with with uh, I believe one of your draft picks which he was picked maybe uh, around earlier in the fifth round, I want to say, uh, at A-Leave Taylor High School in Houston. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I think he was high school teammates mm-hmm. with him. And Ejiofor, a lot of people thought he should have been third-round pick. Uh, injuries, uh, you know, there's an injury. He, he's not going to be ready until training camp. That might have, you know, him not getting to do the combine or anything like that. But some people think as a six-rounder, he was like two or three rounds way past where he should have been drafted. So you could add him to the linebacking core. And, you know, I've, I've heard really good stuff about what he was able to do at Wake Forest and what his potential could be. Well, that's it, folks. You heard live. He's thinking 10 to 6, 10 to 6, maybe 12 wins. Robert, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it, folks. If you get a chance, if you're interested more in seeing not just Rams football, but NFL football throughout the year, check out Houston Sports Talk. Also, he's on Locked on Texans. Robert, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Good luck to you guys this year as well. Oh, it should be fun. Let's go ahead and and uh, spend a little time with our last sponsor, give our final thoughts, and we'll call it a night. So it is summertime just about in Southern California. It's getting hot, you know, the sunny, visits to the pool. If you're looking to have that pool redone, remodel, resurfaced, even put a new one, check out Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling serves its Orange County's uh, serves in Orange County and the Southland and run by Jay Hawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built this business on a mantra of fantastic results and amazing customer service. So just head on over to jayhawkpools.com, take a look at their work. You can see the quality of their finishes and in their testimony, uh, the testimonies that are provided by the customers. And it's actually pretty good stuff, man. So if you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jay Hawk a call at 714 695 0700. Again, that's 714 714- 695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, it's a great opportunity to help, to support our podcast because they're they're keeping our lights on. You know, they're having faith that our peeps would be interested in doing business with them. And so, and they are part of the Rams family. John Hawk um, was a solid player for the team. His family still cheers the Rams. Jim Hawk wrote a book about them. So if you need this work done, give them a call. If you live out there, I promise you, you won't regret it. All right, so that that's it for today. It was a great podcast for both the Texans and with uh, the Chiefs. I really enjoyed those conversations. So, folks, check them out. Check their sites out. It's good stuff. Don't forget to follow us, though, on Twitter at TalkRams or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. You can also find me at DC Apollo on Twitter. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, iBeat Radio. We're, we're lots and lots of places. Well, that's it. I'm Derek C. Paul Manchin over at Rams Talk. Take it easy.
The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.